Welcome to Next in Health Podcast. I'm Jenny Colapetro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belokronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. And today we're going to continue our discussion on pandemic preparedness. We just had a great conversation with May on vaccines and the future of vaccines. And so we have May Weiser back with us today. She's the director in our pharmaceutical and life sciences commercial practice. And we're also very excited to have Omar Chain, who's a principal in our life sciences commercial practice, to discuss pandemic preparedness. And so Omar and May, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Hi. Um, happy to be on the podcast again and looking forward to today's discussion on pandemic, a very important topic that we need to continue to keep an eye on. Thank you so much for having us, Igor and Jenny. Excited to be here. Excellent. Well, it's going to be a great conversation. And as we reflect on the lessons learned from the pandemic, most organizations across the entire health ecosystem found themselves underprepared for what happened. And I'm curious, Omar and May, as you're out there, what are you seeing different organizations across the healthcare ecosystem doing to be more prepared next time around? And I really mean the whole ecosystem, including both the private sector as well as the public sector players. Yeah, so maybe I can start and cover a little bit in what we're seeing with the various government agencies and what's happening in terms of starting to prepare for the next pandemic. And unfortunately, when we talk about the next pandemic, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So for example, we're still dealing with one of the largest H5N1 outbreaks in recent memories. We've been dealing with it for the last year and a half. And only the last few months, we started seeing an outbreak of H3N2. Both of these are avian influenza strains that have the potential for creating the next pandemic. And we're only one mutation away from having human-to-human transmission with these viruses. So that's why the word of caution there, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Now, with that in mind, government agencies, even as we were in the middle of the last pandemic, we can now call it the last pandemic because officially we are now on the cusp of ending the state of the health emergency in the U.S. Even when we're in the middle of the last pandemic, many government agencies started anticipating and thinking about what to do to prepare for the next pandemic. And there are a lot of things that these various government agencies are thinking about, but I would highlight maybe a few One, all these government agencies are thinking about how to secure access to supply critical healthcare products and critical healthcare supplies in anticipation for the next pandemic. That is taking a number of different shapes. It could be in the shape of promoting stockpiling. It could be in the shape of promoting localization of manufacturing. But certainly one of the things that has become apparent is the need to maintain continuity of supply of healthcare products in general. The other thing that is top of mind for the various government agencies is taking a value chain approach to pandemic preparedness. And that's really looking across everything from research, development, manufacturing, surveillance to get ready for the next pandemic. And the idea there is to promote 
clinical research and primary research in anticipation for the next pandemic, not just promoting localization of manufacturing, but really gaining clinical experience and surveillance experience so that in the event of the next pandemic, they can respond quickly to address the clinical needs. And then last but not least, we're seeing new government agencies emerge globally. I mean, we're all used to BARDA in the U.S., Europe just created something equivalent to BARDA called HERA, H-E-R-A, and HERA has a similar mandate to what BARDA is trying to do in terms of starting to anticipate and prepare for the next pandemic and fund a number of potential investments to help prepare for the next pandemic. So we can talk in a little bit more about some of the key areas that they're focusing on. Yes, and as we saw in the last pandemic, I think collaborations both within and outside the ecosystem were critical. May, can you share a little bit more about what you're seeing in terms of formal collaborations between vaccine manufacturers and government agencies? Yes, of course. So pandemic commercial models have existed for over a decade. That's not a new concept. Predominantly, we saw them in the medical countermeasure space. So if you think about government stockpiles of the anthrax vaccine, as an example, as well as in pandemic influenza. And the problem is that before this pandemic, historically, there are really only a handful of governments around the world that truly invested in these types of solutions. So stockpiles of vaccines or vaccine components like adjuvants, advanced procurement agreements where they essentially are contracting for doses in advance of an actual pandemic, almost acting like an insurance policy. Those have been established models, but there are only a handful of countries that historically really touch them. So the U.S. and Australia are good examples of that. But now on the heels of this pandemic, and I think governments around the world heard the message loud and clear to Igor's point earlier, we were as a global community, and despite every effort that was made before that, grossly underprepared. And so what that's prompted is a host of new commercial models on behalf of pharma and vaccine manufacturers responding to new government objectives from agencies around the world. And so that's led to things like subscription models for pandemic vaccines. So ways to keep manufacturing capacity warm and active in the inter-pandemic years so that in the event of a pandemic, there's a model in place and there are doses in place to get them into patients' arms and to get them to countries around the world. Things like local manufacturing rose to prominence. So many governments around the world realized that they couldn't fully depend on manufacturing networks that were operating under centers of excellence globally. And they were looking to bring in the most innovative vaccination technologies into their own borders. We saw that from countries like the UK, Australia, Canada, in deal after deal all throughout 2021. And then what that's also led to is innovation in manufacturing itself. So thinking about ways to modularize manufacturing so you're not fully dependent on those large brick and mortar high volume facilities, which really in many ways help to democratize access to countries around the world where those types of solutions are fully available today. And it's also hopefully helped to establish a level of readiness that we didn't have in 2020 because now at least there's a plan and there's a model in place such that to Omar's point, when the next pandemic happens, which we're statistically overdue for, markets around the world, governments around the world ranging from high income to middle income to low income have not only a plan in place, but actually procurement mechanisms in place and agreements with vaccine manufacturers in place to get their vaccination doses 
in a fast turnaround time or as fast as possible to get them into patient arms and hopefully prevent the level of trauma and impact that we saw in 2020. May, it's truly interesting to hear about all this work that's underway. And if we are more ready and more resilient as an ecosystem when the next one rolls around, hopefully we can move with great speed and at great scale, as you say, to get to as many people as quickly as possible. So wondering if you could say a little bit more about what organizations are doing to build their speed and their scale to be able to move when the time comes. Yeah, of course. And I can give you a few examples to build on the point below. So, you know, Omar mentioned Kira earlier, right? That's the new government agency coming out of Europe that's essentially been formed on the heels of the pandemic to think about pandemic security for the region. They issued an RFP last year to a host of vaccine manufacturers playing across a number of technologies ranging from your standard protein vaccines to viral vectors to RNA platforms looking for essentially an insurance model ahead of the next pandemic. We saw individual countries like the UK, Canada, Australia actively striking deals to onshore large amounts of doses within their borders, despite already having local manufacturing in place. So they're not only looking for local manufacturing, they're looking for diversified local manufacturing, which is creating a lot of interesting and new types of business models for vaccine manufacturers. And to the point I made earlier, we're also seeing this democratization of access. So for example, there are now modular facilities that are being built. I think there was one that was announced in Rwanda last year. And so we're not only talking about the usual suspects and the high income markets that are readying themselves against this pandemic. We're actually seeing a democratization of that across the board, which is creating new and different types of models that pharma clients, vaccine clients are standing up new business lines around already. Thanks, May. That's interesting to hear more about the readiness and the democratization as you described. Omar, May walked us through the collaborations between vaccine manufacturers and government agencies. Can you talk a little bit more about players within the ecosystem and how they need to collaborate to gain efficiencies across the value chain? Sure. And there are definitely elements of this that are public-private collaborations and then purely private collaborations. Let me provide a few examples here. So first, building on what May said and building kind of what we mentioned earlier around the new pandemic readiness in the U.S., for example, back in September 2021, there was a report called American Pandemic Preparedness transforming our capabilities that was published, which was really the blueprint for how we need to be ready for the next pandemic. That report calls very prominently the notion of collaboration between BARDA and between the private sector, in particular when it comes to keeping manufacturing warm. So what BARDA is now doing is to really promote and incentivize the private sector to collaborate together, to bring together organizations from different parts of the value chain, manufacturing, distribution, storage, to make sure that they pull their resources together so that we can keep a warm-based manufacturing of various products, therapeutics, and vaccines so that when the next pandemic happens, we don't need to ramp up production. So that's an example of an attempt by BARDA to try to promote private sector collaboration. There's obviously an important element of that collaboration also around being ready when it comes to 
developing, having drills and simulating what's going to happen and what will happen to the supply chain, what will happen to the workforce and what are the backup strategies that organizations can pursue in the event of the next pandemic. This is obviously something that the private sector can and should undertake. So that's another example of what the U.S. government and BARDA are trying to promote. And then the last piece is something that is very important for us, not just in terms of preparing for the next pandemic, but also in terms of the broader healthcare ecosystem, is really gaining trust and regaining trust, I might even say, in the healthcare system. We've noticed what happened during this pandemic and the erosion of trust that we've experienced during this pandemic. And one of the big opportunities that exists out there in terms of collaboration is really around how we can collaborate across the health ecosystem between manufacturers, providers, payers, retailers, government agencies such as the CDC to reestablish the trust with the consumer and to address any health disparities that might get in the way of being able to respond appropriately in the event of an pandemic. May and Omar, a really helpful perspective on how to be more resilient and more prepared for the next pandemic. A great view across the entire ecosystem. And it sounds like we need to have a lot more connections between the organizations, including public and private. We need to have better plans. We need to drill and prepare to make sure these plans actually work. And then we need to infuse this whole ecosystem with a much higher degree of trust between the different participants and also between the suppliers and the general population to make sure that when the next one hits and we have the solution that is acceptable, that we have high level of trust and engagement so we can actually be effective. But very helpful to hear your view and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks, Igor and Jenny, so much for having us on. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to listen to previous episodes. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.